Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Welcome to the MLB Extras Mets podcast. I'm Anthony Castrovince. I'm joined by Anthony DeComo. Both of our names are Anthony. You noted that correctly. Uh, Mr. DeComo, thanks for joining us. As always, we're going to talk about the Mets latest edition. It's been a head spinning offseason, a lot of activity in Queens, and the latest activity is the Mets have signed Wilson Ramos who they call a perfect fit uh, to a two-year, $19 million deal to be their catcher. And that, of course, means that JT Real Muto will not be their catcher. So talk about the dynamics uh, of these uh, two realities of adding Ramos and not adding Real Muto. Well, Anthony, great name, by the way. Uh, I think you just hit on it, is that, you know, almost the the bigger headline is is not that the Mets signed Wilson Ramos, it's that they did not trade for JT Real Muto, because those rumors had been very strong, and, and Brody Van Wagenen has admitted publicly uh, that they went after that guy hard. And I think what this deal, what the Wilson Ramos deal signals, is that it's not just chaos over over there in the Mets front office. They're not just uh, you know going as hard as they can on every uh, every free agent, every you know trade piece. They have their limits, they have their limitations, and there are lines that they will indeed not cross. So. For JT Real Muto, that line was apparently trading one of their big league regulars, whether that's whether it's Brandon Nimmo, Michael Conforto, Ahmed Rosario, or even, yes, Noah Syndergaard, whose name did come up in trade talks. So the Mets weren't going to go, going to go there. They wanted to do a deal that made sense. They wanted to do a deal that made their team better without also making it worse. And Wilson Ramos does do that. It's a guy who cost them nothing more than money. There was no compensation attached to it. Just two years $19 million for a guy who, when healthy, and that is certainly an if, is one of the better offensive catchers in the game. Here's what Brody Van Wagenen had to say about Wilson Ramos joining the Mets at Tuesday's press conference. The presence that he had, when we look at our pitching staff, we talked about our goal of stabilizing the catching position and being able to have someone that could immediately give confidence to our pitchers, both in terms of his preparation and you know his ability to support them. So it was really his his persona and his uh, his experience catching some of the you know the best pitchers in the game and his his stint in Tampa last year, and then obviously with. Uh, with Philly most recently, and then ultimately in Washington. I mean, he's he's caught a lot of pitchers, and his pitching staffs have been very successful. And I think, while the while the talent is there, I think it was the the person to be able to uh, to control the pitching staff that was really compelling. And the big question, Anthony, is just 
you know, will Ramos stay healthy? There's no way of knowing that, but obviously, uh, you know, his career has been littered with some injury issues to go with the offensive performance. But, you know, within the division, the Mets have seen what this guy's capable of when healthy. Yeah, absolutely. And you can quibble about his his defense. I don't think the Mets are super concerned about that as far as, you know, things like pitch framing go. He actually has a pretty good history of that. Uh, it's about health for Ramos. And the Mets have heard this story before because their own in-house guy, the starting catcher, who, who would have been Travis Darnot, has always had all the talent in the world but has been unable to stay healthy. So presumably between the two of them, if they both stick around on the roster, meaning if the Mets don't wind up trading Travis Darnot, which they very well could do between now and opening day, presumably you have a mix of two guys who, you know, you hope that one of them will be healthy at any given time. Uh, the Mets obviously have higher hopes than that, and they, they would love for Wilson Ramos to to play 100-plus games at catcher, but we'll see. We'll see. The, the history says that it's uh, possible, not necessarily likely, uh, but like I said, you know, if healthy, this is a guy who you know, can certainly give you 15-plus home runs from the catcher position, can certainly give you an OPS uh, around or above 800, which you don't really see all that much at, at a position that's very defensive-minded throughout the game. So the Mets feel like this is an impact bat, particularly an impact bat from the right side, which is what they've needed. Very left-handed lineup before the acquisition of Ramos and, and frankly, will continue to be pretty left-handed heavy until or unless, because we don't know for sure if this is happening or when it's happening. You want to assess what this comes back from the DL. Yeah, nobody knows that. Um, you know, as we said, you know, they add Ramos, and that means they don't add Real Muto. And maybe adding Ramos means they don't add anybody else of significance for the outfield. Uh, AJ Pollock is, of course, still out there, but it, it sounds like they're moving on from that conversation as well. Yeah, and this is uh, somewhat surprising to me because I always, from the outset of the offseason, I thought AJ Pollock was a pretty snug fit. For the Mets, he is a right-handed bat, as we mentioned. He's got a little bit of power. He's got, obviously, great gold-glove caliber defense. And the Mets, until Cespedes returns, when they can move Brandon Nimmo or Michael Conforto off the corners, uh, they have a bit of a hole in center field. Uh, you know, right now, they're counting on Juan Lagares as their everyday center fielder. And talk about health issues. I, I'm not sure there's another player in the game who's had more of them than Juan Lagares over the years. So a little bit surprising, but I wouldn't totally rule the Mets out on A.J. Pollock. When asked about it at Wilson Ramos's press conference, Brady Van Wagen kind of steered the conversation in other directions, and he, he talked about Ligaris. He talked about wanting Yohannes uh, with his back and hoping for Yohannes with his back from those heel surgeries. And he also talked about Ramos himself, about how that can be the right-handed bat in the middle of their lineup that they've been looking for. So the answer wasn't exactly, yep, we're definitely interested in A.J. Pollock. It, it was quite the opposite. But uh, I wouldn't rule them out completely because as we've seen, certainly as we saw with this Mets team the last offseason, things can change as the offseason goes, goes, you know, keeps going and prices fall as we get into uh, late January, February sometimes. So it's possible, but I would say unlikely at this point that the Mets make a serious run at A.J. Pollock. Well, the bottom line is the outfield's in a lot better shape with Conforto and Nemo involved as opposed to not, uh, as opposed to involved in a trade. So, you know, why, why rob Peter to pay Paul when you can just pay Wilson? Um, so, yeah, it, it seems like right, Nemo nice. and you like that. Nemo and Conforto are definitely arrow pointing upward uh, for their contributions in 2019. Very, I, I just thought it, it made no sense to trade, to rob the major league roster as good a player as Real Muto is, as big of a difference maker as he can be in the lineup. Um, it just seemed like you'd be robbing what could be a signature strength in the corner outfield spots. Yeah, and I think the question or the lingering question that we haven't had answered and that we maybe never will have answered is, you know, had the Mets 
not traded away, you know, some of their top prospects, including Jared Kalanick, who is probably the best chip they had in their minors in the Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz deal, would they have been able to maybe swing a prospects only deal to the Marlins for JT Real Muto? I don't know. I'm not sure we'll ever have the answer to that. Uh, and we'll maybe, maybe once we see if and where JT Real Muto winds up going, what the Marlins ultimately get for him, that could change, uh, change the perception of, of the deal that might have been. But as it was, yeah, I don't think there was a, a great sense in the Mets front office that they could have gotten Real Muto for anything less than a Nemo, a Conforto, or Rosario. And, and, and frankly, they might have even needed to add another piece on top of that, which, uh, as, as you mentioned, uh, not sure that makes the Mets better. So they keep those guys. They bring in, uh, of course, Robinson Cano and Wilson Ramos uh, to, to help the offense. And uh, Edwin Diaz, a huge piece in the back in the bullpen. They bring Jerice Familia back to the Familia. Uh, so a lot of movement there on the Met, on the part of the Mets. And in general, in this NL East, there's been a lot of it's just an insane amount of activity. Um, it's, it's a definite bar fight there in that division. But the Mets are at the forefront of that. And in fact, Brody Van Wagenen, I saw he said at the press conference uh, in a hit with SNY that he thinks the Mets internally, they think they are the favorites in the division right now. How do you assess the NL East, you personally, Mr. DeComo? Uh, I'm just going to put my hands over my ears and my eyes and wait until September to see how it all shakes out. I, look, it's it's a very good division. Um, I, I would argue that maybe it's the best division in the game, which is a pretty big change from just a few years ago when it might have been one of the worst divisions in the game. Uh, so I'm not sure, you know, uh, 90 wins is going to do it in the NL East, uh, as has had been the case for many years. I think you might need to get up there into the mid-90s or potentially even higher because you've got four teams who are clearly in go-for-it mode. Two of them in the, in the excuse me, in the Braves and the Phillies, you know, have these young cores that they've been building around, and, and you have to expect that they could be even better. And then everyone is almost kind of sleeping on the Nationals, who have been very, very good for a long time. And oh, by the way, added Patrick Corbin. And you can quibble about, you know, was that deal uh, worthwhile for, for Patrick Corbin's ability level? But the, but the fact remains that it's one of the better pitchers in the game. A guy who I, I believe finished fourth or fifth in Cy Young voting this year. And uh, he makes the Nationals better. So it's tough. And there's going to be a good team in the NL East, maybe probably even two good teams in the NL East that don't make the playoffs. So I'm not sure I'm willing to go as far as Brody Van Wagen did and say, you know, maybe we're the favorites for the division right now. Uh, but the Mets are in it. They're a competitive team in the NL East. And uh, it's, as you said, going to be a bar fight all summer long. I just like that we've got we've got some gunslingers in the NL East. You know, Alex Anthopoulos has never been afraid to make a deal. Uh, Mike Rizzo is, is very much the same. Uh, the, the Phillies are talking about, you know, their owner talked about spending stupid money this winter. And we'll see what transpires there. But then you got Brody Van Wagen, and I just want your overall takeaway on the first uh, month plus of the Brody Van Wagen experience because uh, he has not wasted any time reshaping this roster. No, and I, I, you know, it's kind of the exact opposite of what how the Mets operated under Sandy Alderson. You know, Sandy Alderson loved to let the market develop. He never wanted to be the person who set the market, who set the price for say relievers or for catchers. He wanted to try and wait until that developed and then find bargains later in the offseason. Brady Van Wagen has done the exact opposite. He is the one setting the markets around baseball. He set the market for relief pitchers with Jerry's Familia. He set the market for catchers with Wilson Ramos. He wasn't willing to wait until a situation where maybe the Marlins traded Real Muto elsewhere and that you know hurt his leverage. Or maybe Yasmani Grandal signed elsewhere and that hurt his leverage. He was 
the one who wanted to be aggressive and at the outset. And that's kind of been his MO. So like you said, gunslingers up and down the division. And, you know, I tweeted earlier today about uh, his comments about AJ Pollock and how it looks unlikely about how the Mets might sign AJ Pollock. And a lot of the responses were, oh, same old Mets. Well, they're done. This is the roster now that we have in in mid-December. I I really don't think that's true. I think there's going to be several more moves that the Mets make, potentially both additions and subtractions to their rosters. Uh, I don't. I think Brody Van Wagenen is far from done. I think there are still holes on this team, and uh, he's going to be pretty aggressive in filling them as he has been this offseason. Well, you've been a busy man, Anthony DeComo, and uh, hopefully you get a little downtime this holiday season. You've earned it, buddy. Thanks for doing this. Anytime, Castro. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 